0: what's up everybody and welcome to the club podcast we are live september 10th 2022 9 p.m and we have a special guest fence maker joining today's episode how are you doing fence
1: doing good how are you doing
0: we're super excited to have you on obviously you're super uh, recognized in the space and uh, i'm so glad that my co-host fauci got in contact
1: with you, and uh, I was looking forward to this episode for a while. Yeah, I'm glad I could be here. i um, always glad to answer any and you know, all uh, questions. Uh, I don't know if this was meant to be uh, more about like me or eCoin or devs or anything, but if there's anyone that wants to ask anything, it can be an AMA format on top of whatever you guys wanted to talk about.
0: No, definitely. Yeah, we're going to touch on all of those topics. Um, But before we get started with any of the questions, I want to let everybody know that we will be uploading this on all platforms, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. So if you can't stay for the entire time, feel free to check out the recording. It should be uploading within a day or so after the live recording. Um, But yeah, Fence, we're going to go ahead and we're going to touch on everything. So don't worry about it. And uh, if people have questions, we'll figure out a way to implement them smoothly into the conversation. Um, I want to give the mic to Fauzi a little bit so he can introduce himself and, and uh, say hi to you.
2: Yeah, so you know the vibes, you know, it's Fauzi, the garbage bag. But definitely appreciate you for even coming out here, friends. Like, you know, you're one of you the guys. I, I'll definitely look up to you. You're one of the best people on Cardano itself, in my opinion. So I appreciate you for coming out here and giving us the support.
1: Yeah, well, you're super welcome, man. No, it's uh, it's always good to be... Uh to be able to uh, talk with uh, the people. Sometimes I get my uh, head like too stuck up in my dev uh, and but I try to keep tabs on Twitter and, uh, and what's happening on Discord and uh, keep kind of tabs on the ecosystem but I'm getting very very busy right now so uh, it's always good to make some time and be able to talk with people.
2: Yeah and it's not just going to be you know just equine or it's about fence but we're going to touch all topics like Anthony said you know just like get a deep dive in your life and like how you got to this point itself because our podcast is not only just about oh, we're just gonna have a developer and we're gonna have a project up but it's like more of like how did you get to this point in your life and you know who are you and how does it how much does it take to be a developer on cardano
1: right uh okay i, I, I can actually take a stab but yeah at, let's go uh, ahead you. and get
0: started fence i got <laughs> i got my first question for you yeah how did you get started in crypto and when did you find your way into cardano
1: Right, um, first time I look at crypto, I thought it was shady. Uh, that was like maybe five years ago. Um, I didn't like it. Are ETH. you there? I'd...
2: I hear him. Yeah. Okay, okay. go I thought,
1: ahead. I thought would right, was... my connection's messed up. Go ahead. Okay, I, I was sure I was talking. Okay, uh, <laughs> so five, five years ago or something, uh, I looked at ETH and I didn't like it much and I went away. And then a friend uh, talked to me in March of 2021. So, and he said, look at Cardano. I think that's more like something that you'd be interested in. And I looked at Cardano and I'm a scientist and uh, I love the science first approach, the peer review papers, the proofs. Uh, I did read a few of the papers, not all ninety, <laughs> but a few of them at the beginning. And I was like, yeah, I like that basic, like good fundamentals. That's going to go far. I like the sturdy foundation. And um, so I bought a bit into Cardano, and I read a bit into it, and then I kind of stumbled into um, NFTs because of Blizz Effect, actually, the coin, (laughs) the first NFT of Blizz Effect, which was just an ADA coin, and I bought it off of Twitter, uh, which was super shady, super fun, sending ADA to a stranger to an address on Twitter, and then getting an NFT that's a coin in your wallet, having no idea what just happened. And I just looked at people doing that and people were having so much trouble minting anything and only SpaceBuds was able to do anything correctly. Uh, Alice, obviously, uh, very good at prototyping and then pioneering the technology and everybody coming after had so much trouble like Cardano Bits doing the Google Docs sale. And um, though that worked, uh, but that was very funny. And so artists were having trouble also. They were getting charged a lot and it was very complex for them to get in this space. Still is, right? But think about that in like March and April, 2021. So I made a, I made a script on PowerShell because it was a very funny thing. I made a script on PowerShell that would run off your Daedalus. So if you had a, a Windows machine with a wallet, with a Daedalus wallet, which was the only wallet at that time, You could actually mint uh, with installing nothing, just running a PowerShell script. You could mint, and then even my first vending machine was off of Daedalus. And I gave that to a few people. So a few people have my first vending machine that runs off of Daedalus on Windows. Uh, (laughs) So uh, that was just me playing around, I guess. So that was my first uh, dip into Cardano and NFTs.
2: Okay, so how was the minting service on Cardano prior to like Alonzo Hard Fork itself? Like as you said, the spreadsheets with the bits, and you know,
1: obviously like space buzz and stuff. So take a deep dive into that. Yeah, the the main technology was always the same at that time. It was uh, you just set up an address uh, that's secret that only you know, and when people send to that address the right amount, you give them their NFTs, you take their money, and and then it got slightly more sophisticated that you could buy more than one. Then uh, discounts for holders would come into it. Whitelists would come into to it. Then even game- gamification came into it at some point. But at that time, it was all drop-in addresses, basically. And then the second generation uh, of coolness was adding reservation systems and websites on top, uh, which some people did very, very well. Uh, Buffy Butt and NFT Maker uh, had good reservation systems, but a lot of people messed up. (laughs) People got botted, got their websites just DDoSed and just messed up in different ways. So for a long time there, it was not sturdy. Uh, Minting was kind of flimsy as long as you had a website. And so I stayed with my version zero vending machine. It was just a drop-in address with no website for the longest time because it was just safer for a long time. And then post, we're going to say post Alonzo, but that's got nothing to do with Alonzo. Double sign minting could have been done from the beginning, but um, it's post, no, no, you're right. It's like post SIP 30, right? You need to be able to connect to the wallet directly to do the double sign minting. So then the new minting came along with double sign minting, which requires connection to your wallet and a much more sophisticated website with a front end and a back end and database and discussion. And um, now the new generation is out, which is double sign minting, and that's much cleaner. Still got the whitelist, still got all the other technologies, but the the minting just happens in a single transaction and you don't don't have to send your money into hyperspace wishing pretty hard to get an nft back so uh that's much cleaner you see your money go away and the nft being minted in your wallet um i think that's just de facto the gonna be the standard because it's it's becoming there's no way to be cleaner than that and you don't need a smart contract to do it so it's lightweight and cleaner so that's where yeah, we're I, going the dirt dirt, dirt
2: burst kind of started that and then yes. of the most high six and I like it. That's a great
1: fucking experience for me. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. When their, their birds came out with it, um, he, he made a, a, an actual drawing, <laughs> the diagram of how the TX was being moved around and signed and then passed back and, and everything. And I think that was a uh, revolutionary at that time. He um, was really the first that came out with it. And now people have built on it. And um, a lot. Uh, there's a few services that do it very, very well. But, uh, yeah, at that time, that was pretty good. A lot of people were experimenting with different minting methods, um, and and, and that was not really good. Uh, A lot of people were... (laughs) I don't like that everybody comes out with a new minting method, tries to tell everybody else that they suck. Uh, But I've seen a lot of that. But but double-sign minting was really... It did make everybody else suck. (laughs) It was just better. Um, But that's good. That's good. And I think one thing i've seen now that's very interesting is how cornucopias do it is that you enter like i want to mint and then it's a raffle so there's two concerns that that are very hard to address and minting is being time zone fair so trying to be fair to everybody around the world right so you don't want to make a flash sale that you weren't there in the right ten seconds. Well, yeah, but my wife was giving birth. Or yeah, but I'm I'm at work. I'm in an important meeting. I'm giving a class. I'm in a class. I'm I'm just I'm I'm fast asleep. It's fucking 3 a.m. Oh sorry. Um didn't know if I can curse in a Twitter space. Doesn't matter. Um so you know, being time zone fair is super hard. Uh and then being internet fair, like my internet's got less latency than you and I'm seven years old so I can click in 0.1 seconds so I'll get the NFT and you 40 years old and there's no chance you can click faster than me. That's also kind of sad. So trying to eliminate time zone unfairness and, and just first world, my internet's faster than yours unfairness is is always kind of in my mind. And I think having a raffle of Everybody that actually wants a shot. Just clicks. You give them fifteen minutes to register. Then you do a raffle and you give out the like. Okay, you ten thousand. You can buy like buy right now. Cool. Okay, well, like five hundred of those ten thousand didn't buy. You re-roll and you give five hundred other people the chance to buy. Right, but uh, having some kind of a rolling raffle is very interesting to me. I think Cruncopias did that and. And I think that's gonna be a thing. I don't like I don't like it being a race. Well, it shouldn't be a race, but
2: like when Cornucopia like when they first started doing their multi-sig, they went through Dirt Birds if I'm not mistaken, and there was issues, right? And then they kind of like uh, there was like twelve thousand people that reserved that was in the mint and trying to mint it out. So it didn't work out, and then, you know what? It's like everybody that was in line. They just gave away the javelins. At the time. So it's like struggles and it's like growing pains to be going. Sure. I mean, it's like, it doesn't have to be fast. It's it's not going to be perfect. We're all going to struggle along the way, but we're going to all like help each other
1: build and move forward and make the space greater as we go. It's true, but that's another uh, ethical question in a way. Uh, A lot of people have been asking a lot of people, not just me, to give away their venom machine code. And it's not, greed that makes me not give away my code i've given any advice any question i've ever been asked i've answered to the fullest of my ability about anything about my minting machine devs have asked me specific tech questions i've always answered but my um my philosophy of it is if you cannot build it on your own you shouldn't be allowed to operate it because You're playing with a lot of people's money and it's going to mess up and then you're going to have to fix it. And I don't trust you to fix it if you didn't, if you're not even able to build it. Right. So if I give you the code, it's it's a bit like giving you a very complex machine and you, you just need to press the button. Yeah. But when it doesn't work out exactly, exactly the way it's supposed to. You're going to be blaming me right and you're going to be telling your all, all your clients well it's fans makers machine that messed up just like patrick Tobler is getting so much trouble because people misuse this product that's the way he built this product right it's an api so you have to be very good at using it or it won't work properly but the product is top-notch it's just really good So oh.
2: sorry Anthony, I think you're working out, bro. What did you say? Yeah, so, like, Patrick, I mean, you can give the hammer to somebody, right? But that doesn't mean they know how to use the tools properly anyways. Yeah. So, I mean Their service, it, I don't know, in my opinion, it's kind of flawed in a way. because I mean, it's not flawed. I don't want to say it's like I'm, I'm throwing shade on them. But it's like you can't expect everybody to know how to use their tools. But that,
1: but that's not the philosophy, right? If I, if I build an API... You need a dev like when you use NFT Maker Pro, I'm expecting you to have a technical person that will make your sale happen using NFT Maker Pro, right? You cannot be just the artist and expect to do everything correctly because it's technical using NFT Maker Pro, but it's a very well built product and it can be used correctly. And there's been technical issues I I hear at some times like with whitelists and stuff. And people were saying whitelists are impossible to do. And, but without like I, I think whitelists can be done. I think NFT Maker Pro can do it. But that's not uh, just about NFT Maker Pro, but Ada Anvil has been doing great. Uh, As They've been doing a lot of technical stuff and little uh, whitelist discounts, referrals, a lot of stuff. I know these guys, and they're very good. I know them like they live in the same city that I do. I met them in person. Um, they're very good at what they do and a, a lot of minting services are getting very good but not yes I, I, i'd still not give you the code that, that that was the point i think i was trying to make is if you cannot build a vending machine probably you shouldn't operate it i mean
2: yeah so i was like all right i mean how how much can you open source and like give out i mean as a to your competitors yourself right would you give out your own like you know your bread a wave to somebody else to take over and just
1: beat you out well there's there's that question too of course uh the the intellectual property right the eff- the effort you've put into it but um to answer your question there's at least cyber pickle that i've tutored into his vending machine um and he, he went to work, he came to me, he, we talked about his code, we th- then he came and then he said, Okay, my vending machine, I think it's ready. And then I was like, Okay, well, what do you do if you get a single aid in a transaction? That's unrefundable? How do you deal with that? What do you do if the person send you his space buds with it? What do you do if, you know, and, and then I was like, I, I spilled off a few like of the edge cases that you get in a vending machine that breaks it and it was, oh, okay, then he went away, Then he came back, he fixed all of that. And Right now, Cyberpickle is a minting service. He's in direct competition with me as long like as much as you can tell, but I'm actually referring clients to him. I don't care. There there's not enough devs and minters right now. So I don't care. I'm trying to bring Cardano up as much as I can. And there's not enough of us right now, so it's not at all a competition the way I see it. And if you saw my messages, you know that I speak with Adam Dean, I speak with Patrick Tobler, I speak with Stell, I speak with Hot Solo, I speak with Cyber Pickle, I speak with all of them. And I ask them technical questions, hey, I just had a trouble with my node, you know what happens with this and this and that, or how do you do this trick? Or, oh, you figured out how to do double sign minting, but hiding the metadata, how did you do that? And we shared a lot of the tricks. I mean, there's there's no... We we don't necessarily post it on Twitter, do I do that sometimes, right? Sometimes they are like, oh, I didn't know that was like that's not a secret. I just I just didn't know you guys didn't know that. So I post it on Twitter. Um like like a few um merging tricks and whitelist tricks and stuff like that. It's not it's not about hiding. It's not about hiding stuff. I, I always answer any and all questions from any devs that uh, ask me anything in DM.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's all about moving a space forward itself like with Cardon, because there's really not that many mentors. I mean, there's only so many options right on right now on Cardano itself. But right. I'll just say a quick moment. My co host Anthony is having technical difficulties. I mean, hopefully he can figure it out. But if not, no worries. I mean, but as I was saying, there's really not a much of a competition. It's there's only a few people. You got you know all everybody that's doing this right now, anyways.
1: Yeah, and it moves very quickly. And, and, you know, like now double sign minting is a new generation. If you don't have that, you're going to soon be phased out of the minting business slowly. So you've got to build a new uh, a new version like I'm doing because I don't have a, a double sign minting, minting machine right now. Uh, it's very close to being done. You should see that in the coming weeks. But uh, people have to keep on top of uh, the technology and it's moving quickly right now because nothing was done. Right? There's there nothing out there um, a few, like a year ago, a year and a few months ago. So we're making this stuff up as we go. But uh, it's, it's a very interesting to, to be in a world that's moving this fast.
2: Yeah. And like some of us may not even know what the card on vent- a like the vending machine is. I mean, you want to explain that and like how that works?
1: Yeah, uh, basically to to mint an NFT, you've got to have uh, a policy private key to be able to mint. And you've got to have the metadata of all of the NFTs that you're going to create. And the venom machine is like a vending machine in real life where you put a quarter in and you get uh you don't know what kind of color uh, of gum you're gonna get right uh well that way back in the 80s when you did that <laughs> uh but <laughs> so the venom machine is just that you send money in and you get a random nft out of uh, a bunch a preset collection most of the time and um Basically, you need somebody to mint the NFT, so you need a private key to sign it. So there's been different ways of hiding uh, the private key part, so the signing part and the minting part away from users so that people cannot steal your private key. And the first way to do that was to just have uh, a, a secret address where people send stuff and nobody knows where the computer is and there's no way to go and try to steal and now the double sign minting, there's a server that's got the private key and you're sending your transaction out uh, to be built on the server, you get it back, then you sign it with your wallet directly and you you either submit it yourself or you give it back to the server to submit. So you're never in direct contact with the private key. So the the hard operation of minting is hiding the private key and the metadata from the user. and then just putting that on chain correctly. And like the basics of balancing out the transaction and everything, I'm assuming you've you've already learned if you're trying to build a vending machine. But that's always the first step that I give out to devs that want to uh, get onto Cardano, right? I I would change my recipe a bit now with the double-signing thing machine being the standard, but you'd still start with run your own node, go into Cardano CLI, uh, send yourself some money, from the cli send it back mint one nft send it out to another wallet uh like uh, just this is a few basic operation balance out a transaction and figure out how transactions even work then go watch a video about the utxo model of cardano the extended utxo model so you understand what's going on about the wallets. And then you can get onto bigger stuff, but you've got to be able to build a transaction from, from the CLI and understand, I, I would say the math of it, <laughs> which is really not hard, but it's what comes, in, what comes in must come out, right? It's got to be balanced, but that's, that's really the basic steps to, to doing anything. And it used to be vending machines were done directly in that. But now if you're building a vending machine, I'd say, go see, start with Alessandro Berry's Lucid, uh, library on GitHub, which he gave, um, and read that. Just just read his code and either use it as is because it's very good or uh, be a nerd and opinionated and build your own because you would have done it differently, which is okay too, of course. Uh, but that's, that's the best way to start right now. Just learn to do transactions and then read Lucid and then you should have a, a good head start uh, at, at beginning to be a Cardano dev.
2: Yeah, so, like, with the CLI, right? One time I tried to mint my own NFT. I went through it. I couldn't do it. It's very technical. It's not easy. It's not for the everyday brain. It doesn't happen. With that being said, like, we're also going to get back to Lucid later on. But when did you start coding? Like, what was your roadmap for learning? Did you, like, teach yourself on Udemy or did you actually go to, like, college and school for this or
1: so um i'm a physicist so i went in physics and um a bachelor's master's and and doctorate degree uh, and i was in photonics and i was doing a lot of simulations so a lot of programming about um simulating physics so for for waveguides and integrated optics and optical computing stuff like that um then as a professional i was also a scientific programmer in machine vision uh then uh in my own startup in virtual reality, then in bio computational biochemistry. So I've always been a scientific programmer uh, by trade. And I got into Cardano as a fun exercise and helping uh, Cardano, Robin and Blizz Effect mint their first NF, like not their first, but their, their first few collections and becoming their minters and Doing the venom machine, I guess, I did exactly the way I told you, which is I installed a Cardano, not even a Cardano node, uh, just Cardano CLI off of DataList. So I was submitting transactions to my wallet, uh, but from the CLI. And, uh, you know, just send some money around, minted my first NFT, sent it around, built a few transactions, built more complex transactions, balance out the fees, balance out the whole thing. Then I re- was like, hey, I could just do a loop around this and, and monitor an address for money coming in. And if money is coming in, then I could send them back their NFT, take the money. And then it was like programming this on PowerShell to give the code away to artists because I wanted them to be able to run their own minting machine, which I did. Adabot girl, the the creator of Adabots, ran her own minting for a while off of my code directly off of Daedalus uh, on her Windows machine, I think Blizz also minted uh, a few of his things uh, himself. So that was uh that was just fun. That was me helping out and, and just trying to figure out how what that crypto thing was. Uh, it just came. It just became a thing because um, I saw that a lot of people were performing badly at that time. Not everybody's minting was perfect, and there were. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made by me. If you if you followed me from the beginning, I made all the mistakes. Um, <laughs> I even have it. I even had a sale for Blizz where uh, I gave people NFTs minted with other people's money. That was not fun to, to fix. And that's why I say you should understand what you're doing because you're playing with people's money. Then you have to fix your stuff. So better not happen on a huge like sale like clay or something um, a, a smaller scale sale for your first mistakes is a good thing uh, or, <laughs> or obviously just getting a mentor that can look at your venom machine or, or give you the the things that are gonna mess you up at the beginning
2: yeah so like we had all of those minting issues last year we still have it today and we- NFT maker gets so much fun within the last, like, month, maybe two. Ever since, like, Ape Society, in my opinion, it's, like, it's been downhill. But it's, like, you're playing with people's money at the end of the day. There's somebody on the other side, like, I keep dealing with these people. I keep losing. Why am I keep losing? And it's, like, always, like, okay, you keep seeing them. But there's only so many mentors on Cardano itself. So it Mm -hmm. kind of, like, sheds a bad light in a way on some folks. But that's that's kind of how it is.
1: Well, yeah. And there's different philosophies, right? And And... I think I was talking with Ada Anvil, but in particular, some of us, like me also, we'd rather take the client all the way uh, from a dream and and a napkin drawing to your your cell is complete, everybody got their NFTs, and I'm going to make the metadata for you, I'm going to help you along, I'm going to tell you what IPFS is or or, um, whatever service you want to store your files on. And... I'm going to even generate your whole collection from layers and stuff and take you all the way. And even I can give some advice, not a lot because I'm not trying to do marketing, but I do give some advice like, okay, you've got 300 people in your Discord. You think you're going to sell 10,000 NFTs at 50 ADA. So that's like everybody buying for 15,000 ADA each. Uh, (laughs) That's crazy. That's not going to work so maybe you should wait until you got at least six thousand people maybe in your discord active people and then x amount of people on your twitter would be better i mean this those are not hard numbers but definitely you don't have enough people you should push back your sell or tiny advice like nothing sells right now it's a bear market like don't sell build and maybe do a few promotional sales like i'm selling the sketch from the last collection—it's going to be a limited mint. You know, do do a fun mint that's not your main sale right now because nobody's buying. Or, or um, so you know. I'm, I'm. I think people right now need the whole. Um, you ne- they need you to accompany them the whole way, and so that's that's what some of us offer, and and that's why I think NFT maker sometimes steps into poop uh, because. They're not doing that. That's they, they, they chosen to do an API and documentation. And um, I think right now they do have more of a service where you can get somebody that's really accompanying you. I'm just saying that's two different philosophies, right? So it's either you take your client all the way or you, you offer a good technical service and documentation and people, it's a self-service, right? Exactly.
2: And honestly, like you, what you're saying, that I thought NFT Maker Pro is actually holding people's hand through the entire minting process. So, I this is new to me. Oh, they, they, they do now that, well, no, that's cool. I didn't know that. I, 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 no, I'm saying like I didn't know they did that. I mean, well, they don't, I probably, they probably don't, but it's more like, hey, we're gonna give you the API, we're gonna give you the tools
1: to mint your own. But it's like, just go ahead, yeah, hey, it's kind of a do it yourself. So, that's why I'm saying NFT Maker Pro, uh, at least for a while there, you needed to have your own dev using NFT Maker Pro, right? So so you need you needed a technical person on your team, whereas let's say uh, what I did, uh, you didn't, right? You just gave me your GPEG and, and uh, an explanation of what you think you want, and I could make it happen. So it's just a different, I, I could never handle as many sales as NF- NFT Maker Pro is doing, right? Because I'm, I'm hands-on, you're taking literally my time and my attention, so I cannot just do everything but it's a different, it's a different uh, aspect and, and support. And, you know, I'd be there for the sale and sitting there in Discord and looking at stuff and making sure nothing is going wrong. Uh, Cause there's always surprises. There's always something happening. The white, let's say the whitelist doesn't work. Well, you have to be right there in Discord and looking. And have people say, the whitelist isn't working. Oh, okay, well, I'm closing the sale right now and looking at the code and and figuring out what's going on. If I can fix it within five minutes, we're just going to keep going. If I can't, I'm going to tell you and we're going to postpone. You know, and you have to be right there and looking. So that's different. It happens.
2: Right, I mean, like during the main process, oh, like nearly the- always, <laughs> yeah, booked, like they said there was two point one five million people from Russia. Like they it was trying to get botted on their last drop on NFT Maker.
1: Mm. Mm. So
2: like shit happens. I mean, I don't know. um But how did you transition from like being a professional developer, like on, like from to coming to Cardano?
1: How did that happen? Did you just choose Cardano or? uh i was just doing i was just doing it in the evening um (laughs) for the longest time and then i got into equine and that things became more and more serious and uh my minting machine was getting pretty good and i was getting a lot of sales and at some point um i just couldn't take the double job anymore (laughs) so i was like okay well i think it's going great um I've got some liquidity. Let's let's try it. And I moved. I waited until the, basically right after the sale of equine, I I quit my job. And then I went into full time.
2: So tell us about equine. What's up with equine?
1: <laughs> what's up with equine? Um, you want the whole, what's up right now? Or how how did the equine happen?
2: All of it. Just the whole All world. of
1: it. Uh, basically it happened uh, Fahad spoke with Zach Zach is a full-time horse trainer and breeder in Australia and um they they talked about making a horse game and the later they got American and I, uh into it and we were trying to build a horse racing game and at the beginning we didn't even know about uh Zed Run so we were kind of in the void just trying to figure out what would be the most interesting thing and um, Fahad is a is a cat breeder if you don't know uh, so uh, there are two breeders right? Zach and Fahad so we were, we were really uh, adamant about getting breeding uh, right and interesting so um, I right away came with a DNA scheme with chromosomes and everything so that DNA would be very realistic in its statistics right when you get uh, daddy and mommy to do the thing you you get actual chromosomal dna just being uh, mixed and getting you a new baby that's actually using the same dna as well not the same but one chromosome out of every pair of the parents and it comes out with all the stats the color the patterns of the markings everything so um that was interesting but I think the biggest decision we took was making the horses grow old and die that was that was a tough discussion um and a, and a hard design decision but uh, it's such an interesting dynamic on the breeding right it puts a lot of emphasis on the fact that on the breeding but also even a st- strategic element on racing because if there's a horse that always beats you, well, at least it's going to die, right? <laughs> so, so maybe your horse will get his time to shine at some point if it's younger. Um, so, so there's always a silver lining. Um, but but people cannot dominate and get a perfect horse and just kill the game because they're the best, right? If you get a perfect horse, well, it will die. So that's always good. And reproducing it will not give you a perfect horse every time because it's it's Mendelian genetics, and you're not at all guaranteed to just like get a perfect horse out of your perfect horse. And you know, anyway, you'd need a perfect horse, mare and stallion. And there's no such thing, anyway, as the perfect horse that it'll take literally infinity to, to, to get to a perfect horse. So there's no problem there. Um, so making the breeding. Statistically interesting, the racing, the strategy, horses dying. Um, And also just keeping it realistic by asking a lot of questions to Zach. That's also good. Like making sure that our horses don't break the world record of speed, like in certain other horse racing games where all 12 horses in a race break the world record. That's just less fun. And then... um, as a physicist, I was just perfectly positioned to do the racing simulation engine, so I'm having a lot of fun doing that right now. Uh, well, right now, right now I've got to concentrate on the, the release, but I just can't keep, uh, like I just keep working on a racing engine. It's just too fun. Um, I did go deep. <laughs> I did go deep on a lot of aspects of the simulation. So there's uh, ATP and the muscle and oxygen and adrenaline and uh, lactic acid buildup in the muscles uh, centripetal force when you're turning there's there's track traction and mud viscosity and, and even oxygen in the air depending on the altitude i've had like you know i i'm going bunkers uh, i'm having a lot of fun on the simulation part and even the mental aspects because we know there's hidden stats on the horses courage ter- determination and wisdom that you guys don't exactly know what they do we've given vague descriptions and you're never going to get the numbers so those are things you're going to have to figure out by seeing your horse race um, we debated hotly whether every stat was going to be hidden at first uh, and you just have to figure it out by having your horse race but uh, we had to balance it out right between being um, obscure and realistic and being uh, like game having more game elements and game mechanics. So we uh, came out with having the physical stats actually be um, known and having the mental stats be unknown, which is uh, really fun. It affects the behavior of your horse, whether it's behind in the pack or in the lead. And so that's also fun to model. So I'm having a lot of uh, races, simulated races with no graphics, right? Just to see the statistical distributions of outcomes and, making sure everything is uh, balanced correctly.
2: I was going to ask you about the hidden trace, because I remember one time Faha said that, bro, and I was like, yo, so if I got the slowest horse or, like, the lowest stat and my horse got no agility at
1: all, I was like, yo, do I have a deadbeat horse here or what? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, that's actually an interesting question. We're going to make – like, there's classes of racing. So it's like – you ever play Gran Turismo, the – Yeah, car car racing You know, you can have a really, really bad car, but as long as you're racing against other bad cars, it's fine. So (laughs) the point is there's going to be classes to racing. And so the less good horses are going to be racing against each other, right? So there's still going to be some fun to be had and ways to win and then not, you're not determined to lose every race ever, right? You're not always racing against the world champion. So um, that's always fun. And And all the horses are race horses, right? So, uh, like I said earlier tonight, actually, uh, it's like being a bad Olympian, right? You're still extremely good at what you do. You're just not as good as the best Olympian. But, like, the difference is usually very small between the best in the world and the worst Olympian, right? It's, It's a few percent or a few half seconds, or depending on what you're doing, but it's really a small percentage. So that's more like what's happening. So I didn't come up with the exact statistic, but technically the worst horse in the game will beat the best horse in the game, like one in a million or something. Like it's not going to be zero. Like it's not going to be absolute zero. There's going to be some random chance of, the best horse in the world having a really, really, really bad day and the worst horse in the world feeling great that day and having everything for himself, right? So, and and there's a lot more depth to it than that because there's going to be short races, there's going to be long races, there's going to be races with turns, there's going to be mud races, there's going to be weather, wind, temperature. So there's a lot of things that will make your horse be in its optimal conditions whether or not the other horse can run faster than him right if you just take a longer race and you got better stamina you're going to win if you don't have good stamina take a shorter race and just bet on your speed if you got good agility just take bad tracks and you're going to do better than others right so it's a strategy optimized game where if you take the good decisions in the long run you're going to be winning more that's it's just the point
2: yeah and now thank you for making me feel better about some of my bad horses y'all. Yo. <laughs> yes you're welcome oh, i got i got i'm very optimistic now
1: <laughs> are they cute are they cute though they look good they look fucking good because uh, the colors some people are going to be breeding for the colors for for a while there too because some of the colors came out uh by design or by accident extremely rare absolutely and yeah, yeah, yeah and, and and i think we're leaking right now for fun that uh there are hidden uh there, there's color combinations that we put behind recessive genes so there's colors that don't that that exists that we've never seen yet so you're going to be breeding and you're going to be getting like special horses sometimes yo
2: yep. so like it's been it's been over a year now right the one year anniversary on the equine
1: uh yeah for your first appearance on twitter yeah the 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 first awareness camping with uh, Quinn, our our little mascot, that was just an egg at the beginning and then hyping and becoming a little horse. Yep. It's been a year. So like, if you can go back, like, did you feel like discouraged
2: at some point during the whole process, like launching? <laughs> uh,
1: but, but a few days before the sale, it was kind of hectic, but uh, we were doing it because when, when we chose to do an open sale, open sale meant infinite amount as long as people are buying for 24 hours right but we had to generate horses for infinite amount right so we we built a lot more horses than we actually sold and that became a bottleneck on our computers like just to generate the 3d models (laughs) like i think we did a hundred thousand horses just to be safe like we didn't know what would happen exactly so we're like we don't want to be caught not not selling because we we ran out or something we just made horses and horses and horses and just generated all of them unique and all of them uh with a, a unique 3d model unique markings unique color and everything so that that was kind of hectic uh but we we pulled true and everything came came away correctly and even my venom machine went down during the cell and i had uh people save me <laughs> so that that was uh that was all uh, pretty pretty wild but um it was a very good day and a very good mint and a good sell. I think it was the largest single sale of 2021. Yeah and
2: Yeah, you said like being like uh like a young wife is having labor. I was that was uh, December 17th, right? <laughs> my, daughter, uh, my daughter was born on that day. Wow. Same day as like equine, Ada Handles was doing the mint. my wife is a labor so like yo i got my laptop in the in the hospital and i'm minting
1: (laughs) were were you were you glad to have a full 24 hours and no stress at least absolutely (laughs) that
2: that was beautiful
1: yeah Yeah, i think that was that was a a pretty fun inclusive sale uh concept uh i i know it was a hard sell (laughs) at the beginning people people uh had a a bunch of their own ideas about that but i think it sidestepped a lot of the problems of the mints of that time um especially botting and scalping. we didn't want people to get excluded from the project and have to buy from the secondary market at even like our price was already premium right so we didn't want people to be scalped and then have to buy 800 or like a crazy amounts to get in the game so it was um yeah, I think it. I think it was a good concept. It it came away, uh, ve- feeling very positive for everyone except the scalpers. So I think that's fine. Hell yeah!
2: So before we continue, I just want to say, if you want to get your own equine horse, here it goes. You got a chance right here. Retweet, like. You're already in the space. You got a good chance of winning. Let's get it going. But what feature do you see for NFT integration within mainstream technology itself? like how can we get mainstream people to actually like come on cardano or not only Cardano, but like at least like accept nfts
1: yeah i'm gonna gonna clarify something quickly um uh, we oh uh the the creators of ecoin are not allowed to buy horses because uh i know the dna and so i've got an unfair advantage so i don't have horses uh what i proposed to give was a an equine poster, which is worth like 400 at four hundred at floor floor price right now, but uh, it's it's a poster, not a horse. Sorry. Oh, beautiful. No. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you are gonna get a of four hundred eight a floor poster. Yeah, the the first equine poster, uh, and then uh, about your question, NFTs be being into mainstream. Um, I I think that the example that I use for people that don't get nfts uh, i don't try to sell them a gpeg i think that's crazy to try to to sell them that as the first idea of why nfts would be good i try to say what if you had just a gym membership card and instead of having a card i gave you an nft so in your wallet you've got this ownership like lifetime extreme gym member cool and you can show that to people saying like, I- I'm a member and you can actually sell it. So if you're, if you're tired of your lifetime membership, you can sell it to somebody and they can take it. And now they're, they have the lifetime membership and you don't, or even like have your car ownership papers be an NFT. And then you sell your car and then you just transfer the NFT to, and now the other people can show they, they own your car because if the police. Police stops them. They can just show that and say, "I own this car. Look, I've got this paper that proves it, and it's like a a legal thing, right?" So you could, it's digital ownership. So as long as it represents something that makes sense, then digital ownership is interesting. Yeah, and honestly, so
2: if anybody has any questions of anything we like covered, any topics, feel free to raise your hand. We'll get you out here. Um, but going forward, like what future? I mean, well, so we got or like the hard coming up, right? How yeah. do you think it's going to impact Cardano? And like, where do you see us going
1: within the next six months? Well, I think the block diffusion and pipelining is just going to make the whole chain faster. But I'm not seeing the chain being utilized at 99% like it was for months after uh, Alonzo, right? There was a, a huge bottleneck problem at that time where minting was super hard because you'd, you'd send the transaction and you'd mint and it'd take like an hour for you to get anything. That was, that was kind of a crazy time. Uh, that's already pretty much gone, so that's good. But getting a much faster um like confirmations on your transactions it's just gonna get a much better user experience like every time you can make things faster on technology it's a huge difference uh just think search engines right google destroyed previous search engine because it's like 20 percent faster or something so that people have short attention spans and and want instant confirmation gratification so if, if we can just get cardano faster and faster and faster that's just good but you don't want to compromise security for it. So I think what what they're doing is slowly and and surely making it much faster while keeping all the good qualities of it. I think that's the right way. Um, I don't want them to try to go faster than is safe. And smart contracts are getting a huge boost this time around, especially on the amount of data that you have to send. And it's much more optimal. So which is going to get deeper and deeper dApps, better DeXes, better, just more applications coming out. I think they have a new, an App Store coming out even uh, for Cardano. So as those things get on, it's like, I think I explained it once to somebody. It's like having a smartphone before the App Store, right? So you got a smartphone, but you can only make calls. So it's not sexier than your previous cell phone yet, but you can still tell people, yeah, but there's going to be an app store. And then you can do like infinite amount of things. And then people are get it. It's just a cell phone. Shut up. But you can see it, right. You can see the foundation is better. Your, your smartphone is going to be able to do a bunch of things. And then when the app store comes out, people are, Hey, that was, that was actually really great. And like, you're like, I told you. but So I think Cardano is just going to get much, much more power as yeah. the apps come out. I think everybody's building apps right now and can't really do exactly what they want and don't know yet what they're doing. People are fumbling a lot. And I think a l- slowly a lot more professional projects are coming on and that's going to show, but also we're just waiting for the bear market to stop. Right. Um, (laughs) And and money to come back into the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. I'm all for Cardano getting faster.
2: I've I've seen it. It's been slower. I mean, we're getting a lot faster. I mean, as of late, it's not, I mean, maybe because, you know, chain load is not as heavy. The blocks aren't low. Mempool is not backed up. So we're getting faster. And also like one of my favorite wallets as of late was like Typhoon wallet because transaction chaining. nobody else has been doing it that's my favorite wallet
1: i like seeing that like you know at least send out and it's on yep yeah yeah that's pretty cool that you can look in your mempool and and see the transactions actually spend them before they actually reach the chain but um just for the longest time before that it was important to just split your inputs so that you could do The point of the UTXO model is that you can do a lot of parallel transactions, right? That are fully independent of one another. Um, That's the first way to parallelize anything, right? It's like if you've got only a $100 bill, you can do a single thing with it. But if you've got 10 $10 bills, then you can do 10 things at the same time. And then the cashers are all returning you your change from different operations, but all in parallel. So transaction chaining is like saying, I'm going to give you my 100. And uh, instead of giving me back my change, give it to that other people and give it to that other person and give it to that other person. I'm just going to get a 20 at the, at, the, at the end of all of this chain of things. And that's interesting. But also just having proper change in your wallet at the beginning, like 10 10s instead of a single 100, gave you the same power, right? You can do 10 things at the same time, which is probably better than what you're going to do with transaction chaining. So there's, there's two things happening here that both are good, and both should work together. But there was no effort at preparing your wallet for parallel transactions before, so coin selection has become uh, a question of discussion in this space, also.
2: Yeah, I was I was also wondering, like, how come it took time to at least to come out with the transaction chaining before any other wallet? How come nobody else has done it
1: before them? Yeah, well, uh, I think. A lot of people were thinking about it or working on it, but I, I don't know exactly. Uh, I think it was a tech improvement that gave you even access to go look in the mempool to figure out uh, that there's a transaction there that you could chain to. So maybe they're just the first that actually delved into it and did it. It's it. You have to think of the effort and the gain. Um, it's it sounds super sexy, and I think it it kind of is, but. Uh, it's not, I don't know, I don't know how often it's going to save you, and you're going to think, Oh, good, great, <laughs> thank God for transaction chaining. Uh, may- maybe, <laughs> maybe it's going to happen more than I think. I don't know,
2: yeah. So, what would you say to somebody be in your position today? Any advice or like pointers that you have learned along the way that they might, you know, you don't want to, you know, you want to give them a heads up, like, Hey, this is what I struggle with. Um, take this road, or at least like take this path just
1: some pointers yeah sure um be go go about this like it's a business venture <laughs> like uh it's a hard world out there and it's like you're doing a startup so uh re- like remember that you can also crash and burn hard so it, it's a tough it's not everybody just put some JPEG together and makes hundreds of thousands of ADAS. So it's a hard thing, you've got to be serious. Um, think about your project, make it interesting and then something that you like, make it unique, get a team. Uh, marketing is a thing, it's important. Uh, you cannot do it yourself if you're, you've are never done marketing, okay? There, there's a reason why people get trained and get good at marketing. <laughs> And marketing will beat a good project. Uh, So great marketing in an okay project will sell much better than, than poor marketing in a great project. So there's a a few, a few of those things you should keep in mind that there's like, make sure you've got enough people following your project before you launch your sale. Um, If it's obvious that there's no way you can sell out, don't do the sale or make it smaller. Right, adapt to um to your fans, make make it make sense.
2: Absolutely, and like adapt to the market conditions as well. I mean, when's the last time we encased a lot on Cardano?
1: Right, coronacobias. But yeah, exactly. And and some of those projects, exactly like coronacobias, drain away the liquidity from the whole ecosystem, especially in a bear market setting. So uh, to make sure you know what's dropping avoid big drops like make sure you give people time to to make some aid in the meantime uh there, there's a bunch of little things to do and bear market and and bull markets are completely different beasts yeah like, um
2: you keep i mean like project mensau and they're taking over 2 million ada out of the market a lot of these other projects are going to feel the pain itself I mean people are going to start liquidating just to make way for that mental self,
1: yeah um, absolutely
2: course to start like it's going to start decline i mean, and people are not they're not going to stand oh they're going to blame the project itself, but really it's an ecosystem because we don't have that many people on cardano its actually actively trading nfts or you know they're they're not holding a lot of we have a lot we had quite a few flippers,
0: but
1: it's it's difficult to maintain that flipping at least right now is not a easily a net positive endeavor either right so if you're into NFTs uh, not for like (laughs) if you don't care about the actual NFT and you're just flipping just also be careful and you could get wrecked and make sure you don't invest money you can't afford to lose I would say because it's a crazy space out there like crypto is crazy and if nfts is 10 times as crazy so just be careful would be also an advice i guess for every anybody in crypto right
2: yep exactly so if fence wasn't minting any nfts what what would you be doing today if you wasn't in cardano you're not
1: oh I'd, I'd probably still be in uh, computational biochemistry where I was before. I love that job, love my team. Um, that That's something that's really interesting to me because I'm a physicist. So working in uh, biochem is actually slightly out of my comfort zone. And I've noticed that's something I do to myself. <laughs> so every few years, I usually go for a new challenge. Um, but I was not done with that one, I guess, Um I guess I, I was still very much interested, just uh, in competition with Cardano, which was extra interesting. Also, uh, I ended up coming to Cardano, but yeah, I think I'd still be there. I get job offers from Amazon in the mail often, also. I don't know. <laughs> could be, could yeah, be we, doing different things.
2: We just had wild things up, and he's actually worked he was coding for Amazon. That Alexa.
1: Oh, right. Cool. That's,
2: uh, I definitely see it.
1: But I, I, I like to find scientific uh, programmer jobs. So it's always kind of uh, a niche, very, very uh, small. Uh, you have to look for opportunities. But um, yeah, I'd be doing, yeah, yeah,
2: scientific programming. So what can we see coming from Fence or any other projects you're thinking about or what? Like after Vassal?
1: After Vassal, I'm just going to get, I'm getting Equine out. That's my big thing. Uh, that's a full time endeavor for months yet. Uh, and then I'm getting my double sign vending machine out. So that's going to be in the next few weeks. So there's going to be a few new minting uh, sales from Fence Maker.
2: Let's go. I'm excited, bro. That's good. That's and,
1: and, and that's enough. <laughs> I'm not doing more than that uh, with the baby and everything here. Um, that, that two projects. I'm focusing on equine, and when I get time, I, I work on my vending machine. That also keeps me current on uh, on the tech and everything. So, I see the baby stains on all
2: your pictures, bro.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I see the baby milk stains on your shirt all the time.
1: It does, yeah. Well, that's what babies do, yeah.
2: <laughs> all right, so we got our giveaway winners here. Um, and we're going to have – here, I posted up here at the very top. So, it's going to be Sergeant Wallace. And then it's so it's going to be so number one, the first the first person I want is going to be able to pick what they want, followed by number two. And then number three is going to have whatever's left. But honestly, Fence, appreciate you for coming up here, bro, and giving us the time, like just to at least chat with us and talk more about equine. Talk about your life, is like your journey and what got you here today. Definitely appreciate it.
1: That yeah, you're welcome. That was fun. Um, oh, yeah. where do I see the winner? Oh, okay, the club. So, we the north, so, to the yeah, loop. just uh,
2: just send a DM to the club real. Um, number one, uh, we the north, you pick whatever you want, and it's Baza's after, and I'll let him know whatever's left. Followed by Luke, he's gonna get whatever's left behind. And that's dope, man. I appreciate you. And we'll close that out. And if you, if anybody who's listening to this or who may have missed this space, we are on all platforms, Apple media, Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, iHeartRadio, wherever you, you name it, we're on it. You can listen to this feature reference. Yeah, we'll close that out. Thank you, Fence. You're welcome. Have a good one. You too.